0: Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. I'll tell you what, let's just give this group a big hand. Didn't they usher us into the presence of God today? Turn to your neighbor and say, you're looking really good today. Carrie and I Friday went to Oklahoma City and saw the most perfect grandbaby you've ever seen (laughs) on Friday and got to spend some time together and she's very extra special. But but how many of you have ever felt like you were kind of ordinary? And sometimes that ordinary thought process can kind of creep into our spirit. You know, David said, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. How many of you know you are the handiwork of Almighty God? And God has a special hand upon you today. Oh, why would anybody want to be here today? Let's pray. Father, thank you for our time together. Speak to our hearts. We're here to worship you and learn of you and be deployed by you lord so today we are here in your presence and lord we're receptive in Jesus name amen you may be seated turn to your neighbors I'm glad you're here today even though sometimes I feel ordinary you and I serve an extraordinary God he's all-powerful all-knowing nothing is slipped by him he is God But I I think that you will connect with this. Do you remember being in uh, grade school or junior high, even high school, and you you were going to play a game or pick up time, and, and so there were two captains that were picking their teams? You never wanted to be picked last, did you? I mean, you, you wanted to be the captain or you wanted to be chosen first because we wanted to be on the team. And it was a little embarrassing for somebody not to pick you or not want you to be there. I, I want you to know the good news this morning is God wants you on his team. I got up this morning early and I turned the news on. I hadn't seen the news in a few days, and it's still bad hadn't changed still depressing fires in california and political corruption and everybody hates trump and everybody hates the other side and then we have uh this going on and that going on you know that's never going to change It's the world right but the good news is god has brought us out of this world and he's using us if you have your bible first corinthians chapter one the apostle paul writes to the church everybody say church so this is not to the world this is to the church anybody in the church here well, about six of us here. How many are gonna help me preach this morning? Verse 26, Paul writes, for consider your calling, brothers. boast in the presence of God. Uh, Just a note to self, did you see that there are three God chose statements in that passage? God chose, God chose, God chose. So he has chosen you and I to be on his team, but here's the negatives in the passage. How many of you know it takes a negative and a positive to get some power here? Here's the negatives. Uh, Some of us aren't wise. We tend to be rather foolish. Some of us are not powerful, but weak. Many of us have no noble births, but we're calm and lowly, despised even. You know, no one made this fuss over Carrie and I getting married like they did in England a few weeks ago. <laughs> Oprah didn't show up to our wedding. We, we had nobody of notoriety there. ABC didn't cover it. CNN. Fox didn't cover it. NBC, CBS, I guess the world just thought Carrie and I had a common wedding. It's pretty good though. So sometimes we can get in our mind the commonality of who we are and maybe you can't trace your family tree back to a king or a patriot or George Washington, but I'm going to tell you God has made you unique, you are one of a kind. And the Bible says God chose you, Matthew chapter 22, verse 14, a verse you're very familiar with. Many are called, but few are chosen. Now, not just the wise are being called, or the strong are being called, or those of nobility are being called. The Bible says God is calling many people. Many are called. So. He's calling us, and he's calling us to a higher level. He's calling us to a a new level. So how do you get chosen if God's calling? You just answer the call. And so when he calls, you decide you're going to answer that call. The Bible says the grace of God has appeared to all mankind. How many of you believe that? We sang about grace today. I believe in the grace of God. I believe the grace of God has appeared to you. And if you're not a believer today, even if you're a seeker, the grace of God has appeared to you. And so therefore you have a decision to make. So God's not just calling the wise, the powerful, those of nobility. He's calling everyone. So if we answer the call, God says, "I choose you. I want you on my team. I want you to be used by me." 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 9, "The Lord who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began." You know God chose you before you chose him. That's really true. God chose you before you chose him. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And he was hoping you'd respond to his atoning death, him shedding his blood, him going to Calvary. He wants you to respond to this salvation that he's provided for everyone. Your choice, my choice, and this... uh, passage here says he saved us he called us with a holy calling not according to our works how many of you didn't bring much to the table when God saved you now come on you didn't bring much to the table I, I, I want to just give you some observations here about verse number nine number one he saved us how many of you are glad God saved you Amen. then he called you not according to your works Matter of fact, you can't be smart enough, wise enough, rich enough, educated enough. You can't be moral enough to get on this team. However, you know, you just got to come through him. That's how you get there. So therefore, he saved us. He called us, not according to our works. And I want to tell you, I brought a lot of bad works to the table. I brought some issues to the table. How many of you have ever had some junk in your trunk? That was following you down the trip, right? So he saved us. He called us, not according to our works, not because we were wise, not because we were powerful, not because we were strong, not because we were of nobility, but he called us because of his purpose. He has a purpose to fulfill. He has a purpose for you. He has a purpose for me. He has a calling for you. He has a calling for me. And grace is given to us to fulfill that calling. So therefore, here you are, you feel rather ordinary, insufficient, weak, no nobility, no great wisdom, but God said, I've called you for purpose, but for you to fulfill your purpose, you're going to have to have my grace to fulfill that purpose. My grace is sufficient, my strength is made perfect in your weakness, so therefore, I'm going to call you to do something, but you're going to have to have my help to do what I've called you to do. How many of you believe that? You can't understand how many times I get up here and I feel like I'm not even worthy to stand in front of you. Or I, I come up here and think, God, would you please give me something worthy to say today? Could you at least put three brain cells together in my mind so for 30 minutes I could at least sound a little bit intelligent. Somebody say amen. amen. And if you don't believe that, just step up here. Let's give you a try. <laughs> and you say, well, I did really good today. Well, there's next week. And then there's the next week, and the next week, and the next week. You see, every time we come together, we're here for a purpose. This is not the social club. This is not culture at its highest. This is not the country club. This is the church. And we have been saved and calling and chosen to fulfill his purpose. Inadequate me... Trying to do the purpose of God, and God has to help me supernaturally to fulfill that purpose. Let me ask you a question. Why did God call Abraham and Sarah to birth a nation? They're the worst people you could call. If you're going to call somebody to birth a nation, let's, let's call a family that has 12 kids let's call a family that has 18 kids I'll stop there let's call a family that has some children what are we doing God calling an Abraham and a Sarah to birth a nation when they don't even have children that that doesn't even seem right why does God do that I'll tell you why he does it so that no human being will glory in his presence that's what the scripture says why are you going to call Abraham and Sarah because they've been trying all their life to have children guess what Smell the coffee, at 75, Abraham still doesn't have any kids. I'm not going to just say this is unusual, I'm going to say this is crazy. What if God spoke to you this morning, and and I'm not quite there, but what if God spoke to you this morning and said when you are 75, you're going to start a new family? Goodness gracious. How many of you know children are for the young? I have a friend of mine who says this little song. He said, I've seen the lights of Paris. I've seen the lights of Rome. But some of the greatest lights I ever see is the taillights of my kids taking my grandkids home. (laughs) That's true, isn't it? I'm telling you, kids are for the young. Because when you get older, you're just tired. And they just wear you out. I'm up and I'm down and I'm there. And, and you know what you're, you're saying here. And here, Abraham, he's 75 years old. God says, you're going to have a son. And Abraham says, well, not so far. You know, I've been trying. We've been trying ever since we've been married. Sarah's barren. I, 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 something wrong with me. But uh, God, if that's what you say. You know what the Bible says? That Abraham staggered not at the promises of God. He staggered not at the promises of God. One year passes, another year passes. Do you realize from the time that God promised until the time they had a baby? Twenty five years passed. Maybe this year, this year, this year, this year. And let me tell you, when you get to be a hundred, how many of you are probably not expecting? Not only is he a hundred, he's saying, God, look at my old wife here. <laughs> She's shriveled up. She's past the, the age of childbirth, and look at me. I'm worse than her. But yet God had a purpose for them, and he chose the most unlikely couple to birth a nation. Do you realize he chose someone unlikely to lead a nation out of bondage? You've got someone who's on the lamb, someone who's running from someone who has committed murder, someone who can't even speak well, someone who is seemingly past the age to do it at age 80, but God says, Moses, I want you to do it. And Moses would say, I'm not a likely candidate, God. I don't speak well. Matter of fact, my picture's hanging up in the post office in Egypt. Uh, Wanted, dead or alive, Moses the murderer. So, God, I'm not a good candidate. Why would God choose an Abraham and Sarah? Why would God choose a Moses to do the deliverance of Egypt? Because he wanted no human being glorying in his presence. You know if Abraham and Sarah is going to have a baby, it's going to be God. You know if Moses is going to pull this off, it's going to be God. Why would you choose a nobody that's afraid of his own shadow... To deliver Israel from the Midianites and the Amalekites. Why would you do that? You, you would go find the biggest, strongest, most courageous person. But Gideon is behind a wine press, threshing grain, trying to eke out a living, and the angel of God appears and says, Gideon, you mighty man of courage and valor. And Gideon's going, <laughs> who, who are you talking to here? God calls those things that are not as though they were. So Gideon is the least likely candidate for God to do that. Why would God call Gideon? Because he wanted no human being to glory in his presence. And here he is, seemingly fearful, weak, and he even gives this commentary. He, he says, God, I, I, I think you may uh, got the wrong person. I am the least in my father's house. My father's house is the least of his tribe. We're, we're kind of ordinary people. matter of fact, we're kind of subpar people. We're, we're a little less than ordinary. And God says, I choose you for my team. Isn't that amazing? That God would take people like us and choose us to glorify himself through you and I. Isn't that amazing? Just like a Abraham and Sarah, a Moses, or a Gideon, or we could give countless other illustrations here out of the Bible. But now this is not just some stories in the Bible. This is our story. This is who we are. God has chosen people like us to glorify himself through us, and God has a process in doing that. Do you have a pencil and paper? I want you to take it out this morning. I want to give you a couple of verses here just for you to go back and reference later. Job chapter 28, verses 1 and 2. This is the comment of Job. He says, There is a mine for silver and a place where gold is refined. Iron is taken from the earth and copper is smelted from ore. Malachi 3.3 He will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver and he will purify Steve Green, the uh, singer and the artist, sings this song. And I want to give you just some words from his song, The Refiner's Fire. It says, There burns a fire with sacred heat, white hot with holy flame, and all who dare pass through its blaze will not emerge the same. Some is bronze, some is silver, some is gold, then with great skill all are hammered by their sufferings on the anvil, of his will. Isn't that true? God takes us through process. God is speaking to us in this analogy of mining and refining and taking the ore out of the ground. Here, this is about our own personal lives. Listen, Job is not just talking about miners, uh, Malachi is just not talking about refiners. What, what's the point here? He's saying this is the process of God that he uses for all of us. He takes us in our raw state. He extracts us out. He takes us out of this mine or this mountain or this shaft. And that's what he did for you. How many of you know you're in the world, but you're not of the world? God, through redemption, has taken you out of this world. How many of you believe this? God, through redemption, has taken you out of this world. And now he begins the process of taking the world out of you. How many of you, when you got saved, were perfect after that? How many of you, once you got saved, you had no more issues in your life? If that is you, please touch me after this service. Because this is what I know. God can take you out of the world, but then he takes a process to take the world out of you. I've mentioned this many times and some of you hadn't heard me speak on this, but it is absolutely the truth. Uh, God, in delivering Israel from Egypt, took them to a place called the place of bitter waters. Remember reading that in the Bible? It's called Marah. The place of bitter waters. Jamie Buckingham years ago wrote an article about this and there were expeditions that tried to retrace the the pilgrimage or the exodus and they tried to find where Mara was and they found some places that the water was bitter. I saw pictures in, in his commentary about this and these waters were beautiful. They were turquoise. It was like this huge oasis. And if it was Mara, they analyzed the water, what made the waters bitter. And there were two elements in that that made the waters bitter, and it was calcium and magnesium. Calcium, magnesium. Think about this. Calcium, magnesium. How many of you have ever heard of milk of magnesia? Okay, let me talk to this group back here. How, How many of you have ever heard of milk of magnesia? When you take milk of magnesia, there's a certain effect that it has in your body. If God was taking them to the waters of Mar to have them drink of the bitter waters, this is what's happening. That water acted as a natural laxative to flush out their system. Not only was he trying to get them out of Egypt, he was trying to get Egypt out of them. Because in the next chapter or two, he's going to put them on a kosher diet and say, don't eat this, eat this. I got you out of Egypt. Now I'm going to get Egypt out of you because this is the reason many of you are sick. I've got to get you out of Egypt and get Egypt out of you. Listen, he takes us from the world and then he tries to get the world out of us. And sometimes my world shows up, like when I'm driving in Duncan. Or on the bypass. Y'all are so holy. I mean, you you do know the speed limit on the bypass is 65. It's not 45. It is 65. And I say things like this. Do you you ever talk while you drive and nobody's in the car but you? Y'all not hearing a word I'm saying. Going down the bypass. I got to get somewhere. It's 65, and this person <laughs> is going 45. And I say things like this If you want to drive 45, get on the other bypass, the old bypass. This is the new bypass. It's 65, and the world comes out of me. <laughs> or someone says something or does something and all of a sudden something comes to the top of me and you think where did that come from? It came from you. That's where it came from. God allowed something to happen to allow that to come up because listen, just like that ore is crushed listen to what Job says. He he says it's mine from the earth. It comes out of the ground and that ore has to go through a process That ore is crushed. Why do we crush the ore? So we can begin the process of extracting the precious metal out of the ore. Have you ever felt like God crushed you? I felt that. So much so, I didn't think I could survive. Been there? The trial, the marriage, the divorce, the financial problem... The health issue was so powerful, it felt like it was just crushing you. Mother Teresa said this, God said he would never put on us more than we could handle. And she said, I wish he didn't trust me so much. I understand that. Because sometimes God takes us through loss, through death, through relationships, through marriage, through divorce, through pain and suffering. And he takes the oar and he crushes it. And sometimes he runs it through a sluice. Do you know what a sluice is? It's, It's that product that goes through and all the jets of water are blasting it but that which is heavy and precious begins to filter out of the bottom but the debris has run out the end sometimes we feel like that pressure god is doing that to us god is crushing us he's running us through the sluice. he's separating the inert ingredients he's separating the trash and the residue from what is pure and precious in your life why it's his process and then sometimes he turns the heat up. Did you ever turn the heat up in your life? Oh, wow. You're going through something, and all of a sudden the heat's turned up. And you say, God, it sure is getting hot in here. It sure is getting rough in here. feels like 112 outside. And sometimes you don't have to be outside to feel the heat be turned up in your life. It's trial, it's tribulation. It works patience. It's this issue and that issue. We feel like we're crushed, we're flooded, the heat's turned up. God, what are you doing? Mike, I'm trying to make you something for my purpose. I'm trying to make you what you need to be to fulfill my will. And this is the only way that I can do it for you to come out the way that you need to come out. But I have to infuse my grace and my mercy and my strength in your life or it will never happen because you can't do this on your own, Mike. Let me tell you, you can't do it on your own either. And sometimes when we're in that process, we don't like it. Malachi said this. He said, God sits, everybody say sits, like a refiner. He sits like a refiner. That tells us that is not a quick process. How many of you feel like God is still working on you? Listen, I've been serving the Lord for many decades now, and God is still working on me. Let me give you a heads up. He's still working on you. Why? He has called you for his purpose, and to fulfill that purpose, you got to have his mercy, strength, and help, or it will not happen for you, and it will not happen for me. So we're in process. We will always be in process because God is allowing the preciousness of you to surface to the top and for you to be what you need to be. When he turns up that heat, you know about refining, that heat is turned up so that liquid begins to bubble to the top and bubble to the top and bubble to the top. Listen, you don't turn the fire on in two minutes, you've melted gold. You don't turn it on in three minutes, you've melted silver. But once that heat is cranked up, let me you what happens. Not only does the, the precious metal begin to liquefy, all of the trash all of the stuff that's in there that shouldn't be there begins to float to the top, and that refiner skims it off. Wow. Sometimes in our life, God turns the heat up so much, there's stuff that comes out of you and I that God says, you don't need that. Let's skim that out. L- let's get that out of your life because I want to see me in you. You know how they know that that's silver? Silver. Or that gold is purifying. It's when that refiner is sitting there looking at that precious metal. When he can begin to see his reflection in that molten metal, he says it's done. Guess what God's doing? He's trying to see his image in you. His character in you. His grace in you. His power in you. So God is trying to see himself in our Own lives. Let me end with this: Jesus is teaching one day, as the day is winding down, his disciples come to him and say, "Lord, send the people away so they can buy something to eat." There was no uh, McDonald's in the area, no Hop and Sack, Seven Eleven. There wasn't even a Chick Fil A. As spiritual as that may sound. There was nothing in that immediate area to eat. Send them away because they're getting weak and they need something to eat. And Jesus turns to them and he says, you give them something to eat. Now, the scripture doesn't say this, but let me just uh, tell you what I, I think. I think they looked in the bag, the money bag, the offering bag. So said, Pastor, why do you think they looked in the offering bag? Because they said 200 denarii is not enough to feed all these people. Why would they give that exact amount? Because I think they pulled out their billfold and said, I don't think we have enough. Have you ever felt like you were a day late and a dollar short? That's exactly where they're at. They said, we don't have enough to feed all these people. You see, there's 5,000 men. Was it, Mark 6? 5,000 men not counting women and children. There, there could have been 10,000, 20,000, 25,000, and Jesus says, you feed them. They said, we, we don't have enough money to feed all these people. And They give an exact amount. And then the Lord says, well, what do you have? Well, they, they begin to search through that crowd, and here's a kid that's been to Long John Silver's. He, he's got five biscuits and two small fish, small fish. And you know what happened? They took that boy's lunch And they put it in the hands of Jesus, and something supernatural happened when they put that lunch in Jesus' hands. Do you realize today something supernatural can happen in your life if you will get yourself into the hands of Jesus? If you can get your problem there, if you can get your expectation there, your hope there, your faith there. If we can get it in the hands of Jesus, something amazing can happen. Jesus took those five loaves and two small fish, and the Bible says he blessed it and he broke it. And then he turned to those disciples, and he says, you give them something to eat. Now, I know how much is left at the end, but I don't know how many baskets they started with, but if those 12 that he called were the ones who were distributing the food, there are a couple of observations. Here's number one. Jesus brought order to the crowd. You know what he said? He said, have them set down by hundreds and fifties. I do mean, you know, God will bring order to your situation. He said, have them sit down in this certain way. And then he took some of what he blessed and broke and put it in their containers, their baskets, and he said, now you go feed them. Now, your attention, please. If I had been there, I would have said, here's some food, just don't take much. What would you have done? yeah here's some food just take a little bit we're we're trying to stretch this out today we're trying to make sure everybody gets just a little bit five loaves and two small fish and you got you know maybe ten twenty thousand people listen you can't pass the popcorn on that that won't work but as they went out to this group of a hundred, this group of fifty, and this group of fifty, I was at a banquet uh, Friday night, and and the servers at the uh, the banquet were serving, and they do much like what we do when we have banquets here. Has that table been served? Has that table been served? We got food on this this table, this table. Uh, has this fifty been served? Has this hundred been served? So they're going throughout this this mass multitude of people, and, and they're all getting the food. And it's an amazing thing because everybody has all the food they want. And not only that, when when they finish, there are how many baskets left over? There's 12 baskets left over. Listen, God is just not enough. How many of you know God's more than enough? Now, the reason I brought this up is because these disciples are in process. These guys are in process because... Jesus is teaching them, "If you can get it into my hands, I can do something supernatural with the ordinary, and if you will take it out and you will serve it, you're going to see something good happen here. So many times, we are looking for a divine intervention, and God is just looking for human participation. I want to say that again, many times we're looking for some kind of divine intervention, and God is just looking for some human participation. What happens so many times in churches, individuals, homes, marriages, God, do something. I need you to do something, God. Show up. Miracle. Supernatural. And God is saying, you do something. What are you going to do? Do you realize that Jesus could have filled everybody's belly? Poof. No more hunger. But he chose not to do that. I mean they they could have all their their stomachs could have been sunken and Jesus could have said just be filled and everybody all 5,000 men would just went whoop (laughs) kind of like what you'll be about 1 o'clock or 2 could he have done that? sure he chose not to do it why? because so many times divine intervention needs human interaction and you and I need to step out in faith he could have caused the fish to fall from the sky. He could have had biscuits fall from the sky. He said he couldn't do that. He did it in the Old Testament. He could have done the same thing in the New Covenant. But what he wanted, he wanted some human participation in the midst of his divine intervention. God has saved us. He has called us with a holy calling to fulfill his Purpose, Isn't that interesting? That God has chosen people just like us, sometimes feeling very ordinary, to do the very special things that God does. you realize God can use you to help a child this school year when they have no means of having their school supplies? Do you realize that you can go into a hospital and pray for someone that will encourage them beyond what you could ever think just by you showing up. Or you could give a word out to someone who's discouraged. Or you could pray for someone who's going through a marriage crisis. Or you could help someone with a $5 bill and it would be huge at that time. Aaron told me we were with them on Friday and uh, I uh, usually keep change there in my little cup holder. How do you keep change in your car? Okay, So I, I usually have change there. And uh, Aaron told me, he said, well, the other day, he said, I was really in a hurry. And I, I took the, uh, the turnpike uh, that kind of goes around the top of Oklahoma City. And he said, I, I realized that I didn't have any money. And he said, the toll for the turnpike where I got out was 75 cents. And he said, I had to pay the lady with 75 pennies. <laughs> and she, she thought I was being cute he said I wasn't being cute all I had was 75 pennies but do you know what they allow you through if you've got three quarters or you got 75 pennies God will use you even if you think you're just a penny and you're not a quarter sometimes there are penny people and there are quarter people but it all adds up the same amount and it will never ever be enough without his grace, mercy, and strength. Abraham, you cannot do this without my help. Sarah, you cannot do this without my help. Moses, you cannot do this without my help. Gideon, you cannot do this without my help. Disciples, you cannot feed these people without my help. But here's the good news. I've chosen you to do it and I'm going to help you do it. Wow. Well, that's a good word to go home on, isn't it? I've chosen you to do it. And I'm going to help you do it. And therefore, you can go out and accomplish your purpose that I've called you to do because I'm going to help you. And when you finish, no human being will glory in my presence because they're going to know I'm the one who did this. I did this. I did this. There's an old saying in Oklahoma. If you ever see a turtle on a fence post, you know he didn't get there by himself. <laughs> Whatever God's going to do in your life, you don't even get there by yourself. He's going to have to help you get there. If you walked in here today discouraged, if you walked in here feeling crushed like the ore, or flooded in the sluice box, are the heat's turned up. Let me encourage you. God's just getting, getting you ready for the next chapter. God's just preparing you for what he's going to do in your life. God's just helping you being used for what he's called you to do. I don't know about you, but sometimes I just have to encourage myself. Sometimes I just have to get the word of God and say, God, this is your process, and I feel like, That's what you're doing in my life. And when I come out of this, I'm going to be better than when I went in it. I'm going to be better than when I went in it. you got a purpose for this. you got a plan for this. And I'm in your hand. And it will be as you say it will be. How many of you know by faith I believe that? How many of you believe by faith you believe that today? Bow your head with me.